Is that a bath towel? Yes, I just barely got out of the bath. <laughs> That's my profile pic. This episode is sponsored by Hired.com. Are you searching for a new job? That can be stressful, scary, and time-consuming. Pushy recruiters try to sell you on roles you don't actually want, and the job boards make you feel like you're throwing your resume into a black hole, never to be seen again. And sometimes you go all the way through the interview process just to find out at the very end that the salary, offer, or company culture doesn't match what you're looking for. Hired is the world's most intelligent talent matching platform for full-time and contract opportunities in engineering development, design, product management, data science, sales, and marketing. We make your job search faster, focused, and stress-free. Instead of endlessly applying to companies and hoping for the best, Hired puts you in control of when and how you connect with compelling new opportunities. After completing one simple application, top employers apply to hire you. And on Hired, you receive personal interview requests and upfront salary information so you can make informed decisions about what opportunities to pursue over a condensed timeline. Hired offers access to more than 4,000 innovative employers, including big brand names like Facebook and smaller emerging startups. The size and type of company you want, to connect with is totally up to you. And we help you find new opportunities in 17 major cities in North America, Europe, Asia, and Australia. Open to relocation? Let them know. Your privacy and autonomy in your job search is of utmost importance. And if you go check them out at the show's link, that's hired.com slash adventures in Angular, you can get double their normal hiring bonus. So instead of $300, you get $600 for signing up at our link. That's hired.com slash adventures in Angular. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Adventures in Angular show. This week on our panel, we have Alyssa Nichol. Hello, hello. Joe Eames. Hey, everybody. Lucas Rubelke. Why, hello there. I'm Charles Maxwood from devchat.tv. And uh, this week we have a special guest, and that's Aishigal Yone. I think I got that close to right. <laughs> I'm always worried every time you come on the show. <laughs> Thanks, Charles. Yeah, you're great. Um, now, you're going to be speaking at Angular Dev Summit about uh, augmented reality, and we have you on today to talk about virtual reality and visualizations. You gave it away. I uh, was keeping it a secret. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, <laughs> uh, Chuck. Way to go, Chuck. Ugh. Anyways, let's go to PIX. <laughs> right. <laughs> So uh, one thing that I'm I'm wondering about, just to get us rolling, is um, can you really do VR with Angular? Uh, yes, we can. Why not? Um, I we are so cool. <laughs> <laughs> True. Well, uh, VR is a different API that, as we are using any other kind of API. Uh, we can use WebVR uh, and encapsulate it with our Angular application and create reusable components. That's why I really like using them together. So what, what does that actually look like? Do you, or actually, let me back up. Do you want to give us just a brief explanation of how WebVR works? That way we, we can ask intelligent questions about how Angular talks to it and manages those components? Sure. Uh, so it's uh, WebVR currently is an experimental API. Um, and uh, it's, uh, well, creating 3D uh, experiences that you can uh, use also the Gamepad API to um, interact with. Um, and it uses a, just a different kind of uh, rendering camera for WebVR. And uh, the way Angular and WebVR will work together is that you can encapsulate your different components, different parts of your application. Um, in Side an Angular component so that you can write 
more declarative um, WebVR experiences. Does that explain it for you? So what, what do you mean by it being experimental? Meaning that uh, things are changing quite rapidly and it's not implemented uh, in every browser. And you have to enable it, uh, as far as I can remember, you can have to enable it in Chrome and um, you can um, have it with the uh, Firefox uh, work um, with the nightly builds, I believe. And um, for the rest of it, it's experimental because uh, not all the browsers uh, implement it at all. And also the implementation of the WebVR itself is changing. So uh, it was uh, 1.0. Now it's the, they're working on the 2.0 uh, version, which is just like Angular, not backwards compatible. But it will be uh, pretty much the same APIs and pretty much going to work the same way. Just uh, some of the implementations are going to work and uh, some of the ways that we are going to interact with it is going to change. Well, I have a question. So obviously it's not supported in every single browser. This is kind of a, a new and emerging cutting edge thing, but still I think it's viable and I think it's interesting. What kind of like environment would you have to kind of control? So I would imagine like what I'm thinking is like, you know, doing like a VR experience on like a kiosk where you can actually control, say, okay, I'm going to target like the latest version of Chrome and you can control the environment. Um, you know, it seems pretty, you know, like maybe like that's viable. So, you know, if somebody were actually going to do something to be consumed, what, you know, what would be kind of the ideal situation given, you know, kind of the spotty or, you know, kind of the, the browser support um, issue around, you know, doing VR in a predictable manner? Ah, great question. Well, you can uh, check uh, if the VR is enabled. And um, you can just display a message. Uh, it's true for WebVR too. In so many cases, uh, I mean uh, WebGL as well. Um, it's not enabled in some of the browsers, and you just display a message and uh, detect it at first. Uh, but other than that, I mean, once um, once you have the browser, uh, which is available, you uh, pretty much have a consistent um, interaction with it. So from there, like what kind of hardware, if you will, um, is required you know, to kind of appreciate this VR experience? Are we talking about like Google Cardboard? Um, I know, for instance, you know, the old viewfinders, they have like a VR, you know, kind of a version. You just kind of put your phone in. Um, you know, what, what would we need to consume your amazing Angular VR project um, as it's released to the world, so to speak? Um, this is the cool thing about VR. So virtual reality was... Um available before with very uh very powerful hardware you have to have a uh, dedicated computer and there's lots of very expensive tools to be able to um experience vr but now it's very very accessible to everyone uh with it being available on the web and cardboard is one of the cheapest um cheapest way to look at it uh in so many meet meetups you can get it for free um in around here at least uh, but i believe it's around like 20 dollars one cardboard uh, other than that is the newer versions of samsung if you apply for it you can get a samsung uh gear vr headset that comes with it for free which is really really cool that's what i have at home and um you can also purchase very uh cheap um like hand controls for it 
uh, as well. And um, I think it's becoming more and more accessible and uh, it will be even more in the future. And that's the cool thing to have uh, VR on the web. It's very, very accessible and um, it's very accessible for developers as well because you don't have to um, go through the, you know, Play Store or um, Apple Store to get your um, product out there. So let's go in just a slightly different direction because I'm already starting to think of like all the things you could do with this is like. And I know you also do some kind of interesting things around like education and um, you know, just helping people is, you know, what are just maybe off the top of your head kind of you know three use cases that you see, um, you know, for web VR and you know, that you know, that could be totally disruptive. So one of the things that just comes into my head is, you know, just education in general, that creating immersive experiences for you know, people to do tours of places or you know, go places that they wouldn't be able to to visit or even um, like motor control stuff. I think we talked about our last time we saw each other, but I mean, I'd, I'd love to hear, but you know, kind of how you see even applying this, you know, this technology to you know, really kind of disrupt some things. There are so many very, very cool use cases that I'm uh, still figuring out every day. Uh, one of them is on the education field. Uh, Google Expedition is uh, creating this application for teachers uh, to create these expeditions so um, they can create all these um, different experiences for students and all around the world you can uh, just join it with your phone and anywhere uh, you are you can uh, have access to things that you would normally not have uh, and it's really really a cool thing I didn't have a chance to catch any of it but uh, I hope to one day and you can create your own experiences and share it with the world too and imagine I mean, we have access here to so many things, so many museums and so many um, exhibitions and all that. But um, now you can share it with anyone in um, anywhere with the wireless, you know, access to a phone, which is really cool. There are so many medical um, applications as well. One of the things that the doctors figured out is that it's an amazing painkiller. One of the first applications that I heard of was... Um, for the leukemia patients, uh, it's really hard these, uh, to, you know, convince little kids to go through these really painful experiences of, you know, uh, taking the medication. But if they are immersed in a, you know, VR experience where they're actually fighting with the disease itself, um, it does help with their, you know, uh, relief of pain as well. Wow, I've never heard of that. That's really, yeah. really cool. Yeah, it is very cool. Uh, and apparently um, with the um, burn victims, too, it has been more helpful than any other kind of medication. Uh, the other use case I just heard yesterday was uh, Stanford uh, football team is using it to detect um, concussion because um, you have the ability to track the eye and um, figure out the severeness of the concussion. For example, in the middle of the game, somebody had an, um, um, an accident, then they can decide on the spot to go on with the game or not to go on with the game or um, just contact a doctor at, the, at the, any time. Um, other than that, one project that I had a chance to work with um, was with the museum, um, Smithsonian Museum in uh, Washington, D.C. 
uh, work with Autodesk to create these experiences, VR experiences, and um, they use this other technology that Autodesk produced for scanning any and every artwork, including Apollo 13, um, 11. That's a big and, scanner. Yes. Well, it took them a long time, but it's a. Um, then we took those 3D uh, models and then created uh, VR experiences, which is really, really cool. It's really, um, I don't know, I feel like it's more immersive than most of the experiences you would get in a museum. Uh, for example, if you're looking at a, a dinosaur skeleton, um, you have very limited, you know, uh, point of view to look at it. But with VR, you can change your own scale compared to the uh, skeleton and you can feel what it feels like to be a little animal next to the creature and just like, you know, walk inside it. You can make yourself much bigger and, you know, look at it from a different perspective. It's really, really cool. And so what's interesting about VR, just to kind of complement that, is it's how the brain works in terms of how we process data and how we're constantly thin slicing information so that our brain is you know, just taking thin slices or bits and pieces and trying to fill in, you know, kind of the details around us. Um, I have Sony PlayStation VR at the office, and it's pretty incredible how your brain tries to actually fill in some of that sensory information. So one of the, the games VR worlds is you're actually on a luge and you're basically going down you know, this hill very, very fast. And as you kind of bounce over these hills, you get this sensation of being airborne, which that in itself is kind of like, you know, well, pretty interesting, but what it really kind of tripped me out is um, on a bad turn, you know, you can kind of go off the road. And as I'm doing this, gravel is flying up from um, my luge as, uh, as I'm basically crashing. And I'm starting to feel like small pebbles like hit my face and my hands. Like my brain is trying to fill this information in as it's happening around me. And so the concept of essentially you're diverting, you know, a person's you know, ability to thin slice on the bad information of like I'm in pain or these things are hurting, that human brains are very you know, powerful. And so creating experiences, you know, like small children going through chemo that, you know, to basically just simply by creating them an alternate set of stimuli, you can completely bypass that. And so to bring this back to Angular and um, kind of why we're here is if we were going to accomplish this, if I was going to say I'm sold, you have me, it's a game changer, where would you recommend that we start to to kind of dip our toe into this? What's like what is the equivalent of like a VR like hello world that we could we could try out? Uh, A-Frame has great experiences and it's really, really easy to use. And it's uh, very much like uh, what I was talking to you about, um, about the Angular components. It's uh, very declarative and uh, you don't really have to know a lot about uh, 3D to be able to start um, using it. And they really made it very easy. Um, one other tool was one, I was working at, at uh, Autodesk. It's a uh, node-based VR authoring tool. It's called Play. Uh, you can find it at play.autodesk.com. And um, it's a, it's an offer. I'm um, not sure where it's going to go, but right now you can just um, take any kind of other experience uh, in their documentation and start working with that. And it's just one drag away to create one VR experience. And it's really, really cool. It's worth playing with. Keep going. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm loving this, but you're just giving me bits and pieces. Like, 
I, I need I need the top ten list. Oh, okay, I see. Uh, so there is um, Sketchfab where you can find lots of three D three um, D models. I would not recommend you to create your own, uh, but also um, you can just start taking three D three sixty pictures. Um, Google came up with an app um, app for. Android. I'm not sure if it's available anywhere else. Uh, so you can basically take uh, 3D uh, 360 pictures and then turn them into VR experiences, which um, you might have noticed me doing previously, but I'm not sure. <laughs> the other so thing would those 3D pictures have things like sound, or is it just an image? Uh, it does have sound. Uh, but also the image, it, you can just turn around and look all around you. But it's also experimental, uh, so it's um, breaking and crashing once in a while, but uh, it's still uh, <laughs> worth playing with. But A-Frame is a really good start. I mean, uh, they made it as easy as possible. So basically, it works uh, great with any other uh, framework, including Angular and um, um, it's very component-based as an Angular developer you would enjoy working with it. So, and last, listen to uh, <laughs> our upcoming talk, uh, and um, I will talk more about WebVR and creating experiences with Angular. So when when you hook this all up, I mean, you know, you talked about A-Frame for a minute, so, and you said that it's set up to work nicely with a framework like Angular. So do they have components, kind of like what you get off of, like, uh, Kendo UI or something where they have built-in components that you just kind of feed data to, or how how, how does that work exactly? Uh, exactly as you said, it's just like um, any kind of Angular component. Basically, um, normally WebVR is kind of well, WebGL is kind of foreign to normal um, web developer because it includes all these lighting and creating a scene and a cam working with the camera and all that stuff. But they uh, just made it easy for you. And once you have a scene, you have the lighting and you have the camera and uh, the VR is um, included as well. Uh, all you need to do is to add um, the object itself. So you have components for a scene and plus you can define um, your own lighting as an attribute if you like. Uh, and you can add nest more components like 3D objects like a box or anything else that you need. That sounds really interesting. Yeah, it's very cool. Um, Mozilla developed it and um, it has a very good documentation and they made it as, as easy as it comes and uh, it's open source and you can contribute to it and um, works with 3JS which has um, uh, also a very good uh, community around it. So then how do you program the interactions with objects in your Angular slash WebVR app? So <laughs> interactions are not the easiest part, I would say. Uh, but I believe 3JS is trying to solve the problem itself, so uh, you wouldn't need to solve it uh, for yourself. Um, but normally, uh, one thing you do is to work with the GamePad API. So you can uh, take the data from any kind of uh, controller uh, through the GamePad. That's one way to do it. The other way uh, is 
kind of uh, using the um, eye tracking. And for example, if you uh, keep looking at an object, then you kind of select that object. And um, that's one way of working with it without any controllers as well. I'm just like so impressed with your extensive knowledge of everything VR. How, like, how long have you been doing this? Um, not very long, actually. I mean, um, I have been working with uh, WebGL for a while. So, um, yeah, I was dying to work with WebVR. And I had the chance to work on that the tool that I was telling you about to play at Autodesk. And it was really fun. I mean, it's really an amazing experience. It's really, you know, fun to watch people <laughs> to go, I mean, have their first VR experiences. I really enjoyed it very much. But everything is pretty new and, um, um, you know, but it's very available. It's out there and um, there's a great community behind it, too. Now, one other thing that I'm wondering about with this is since it is web VR and it's web technology and we're plugging Angular into it, could I build a desktop app with Electron? Will it work in Chromium? Yes, uh, definitely. And does it also work with the embedded Safari or um, Chrome views that you get on Android or um, on the iPhone with something like Ionic? Hmm. Uh, that's a good question. I'm not sure, but yeah, that's worth investigating. But you can just put it on a website, load it up on your iPhone or Android phone, and it'll generally work. Yes, yes. And a great place to go uh, if you can, uh, if you want to take a look at the other experiences is um, web, uh, web VR experiences. It's very much like Chrome experiments and uh, it's web VR experiments. You can also reach to it through the uh, Chrome experiments website. Uh, and they're really cool. And all you need is uh, a cardboard to see it. And in most cases, I mean, you don't even uh, need to have the VR itself. You can just um, play with them in 3D space. And uh, if you choose to, you can um, look at it in, with a VR goggle. Don't wait for users to report problems. Raygun gives you complete visibility on errors, crashes, and performance problems affecting your end users. You can replicate issues in seconds rather than digging through log files and having to rely on users to report errors or crashes. Raygun gives you a window into how users are really experiencing your software applications. It has full support for JavaScript and all other major languages and platforms. It takes less than 10 minutes to set up and you can get a free 14-day trial by going to raygun.com and signing up today. Nice. Yeah, I, when I was at CES this January, they had um, goggles, and now I've been seeing that, or headsets, or whatever you want to call them, and I've been seeing them at Walmart now, and they're like 10 or 15 bucks, so it seems like it's fairly approachable if you have a smartphone. I know. I mean, it's quite amazing if you think about it. Like, uh, not just VR, but AR. Uh, I just found this thing, um, I don't know if I should tell you now, but because it's going to be one of my choices. <laughs> Um, at the end, but um, there's this thing called uh, Merge VR, which has a goggle, and also it has a cube where you can create AR experiences for kids, and it's really, really accessible. It's very affordable. Uh, the uh, cube itself is something like $20, and, and the uh, goggles are, I think, $60 or something. Uh, but if you compare it to um, HoloLens, which is 
$3,000 for uh -huh. a dwarf. I mean, it's super accessible in a very short period of time. I just can't believe it. And um, it's really, really exciting. And there are other smaller companies who are creating very uh, affordable sets. I just ordered one. I um, supported the Kickstart project and coming from uh, England, hopefully. Can't wait. So one other question that I have about this is how do you test it? Because it seems like a lot of the effects and interfaces are going to be visual. And so, yeah, I mean, I guess you can, uh, you know, you can programmatically get the position of something on the the screen or something. But, yeah, how does that work? Or do, uh, great question. Or do you just plug it in and hope it works? Yeah, plug it in and hope it works. <laughs> um, it's a great question. I mean, it's really, really hard. Anything to do with, uh, you know, visual stuff, it's really hard to test. Um, there is, um, and also develop at the same time, too. Uh, there is um, a plugin, a uh, Chrome uh, plugin that helps you um, work with the 3D space. But, um, and that's one thing that we use. Uh, but also um, most of the... Um, you know, most of the interaction it has to do with the uh, mapping of the location, right? So that's very mathematical thing to do. Uh, so those are the things that are easy to kind of test. But otherwise, um, yeah, otherwise it's not that straightforward. So question that I have, is there anybody in the web VR space that you really admire? So if we're going to go look and say, like, well, who's really pushing the envelope or doing some really cool stuff? Um, is there anybody that you in particular look up to that's doing really fantastic work in this space? Great question. Uh, well, um, A-Frame team is a two-people two team, and uh, they're a great team. They did amazing stuff. Um, Mr. Dube, obviously, he's cre the creator of 3JS. And uh, just to give you a little bit of an idea, he was a designer before, a long, long time ago, obviously. Um, and he wanted to have you know, make these things on the web and he couldn't find a tool. So he decided to develop it himself. And he's been the sole de developer. There's lots of community support now, but he has been doing it for a long, long time. And so many, uh, you know, companies are using what he's built for web, web, uh, web VR, WebGL. Um, and now he's adding WebVR. And, um, you know, A-Frame team, team is uh, working with them to create uh, A-Frame and make it more, even more accessible, even easier to use. And also, uh, Brendan, his last name is uh, skipping me now. He's uh, basically uh, the person who's implementing the WebVR on Chrome team, and uh, they're doing a great job. Uh, Tony Parisi, uh, you, if you dealt with anything uh, WebGL, you might have heard his name. Uh, he has a bunch of books and he has, I think he was the person who uh, inspired me to be a developer in the first place. Uh, I just stumbled upon his talk one day and um, this was a while ago and uh, it was a very small room of people and um, he was showing very simple 3D graphics and he was saying, this is the future, believe me. And um, you know, he was very passionate and I was like, oh, my God, this is so exciting because I was doing uh, 3D um, scientific visualizations, not on the web. And, um, you know, um, I've been following him for a long time and he's doing a lot for the community. He has um, he has meetup groups in San Francisco Bay Area 
And now they're uh, creating an open source project for Unity um, to create that VR. So he's very inspirational. Uh, thank you, Lucas. So Brandon's last name is Jones. <laughs> and uh, his Twitter handler is Fujiro. Joe, you have been awfully quiet. Yeah, I know. No, I'm just enjoying listening to your, the dulcet tones of your voice. <laughs> Thank you, but your picture scares me still. <laughs> Is that a bath towel? Yes, I just barely got out of the bath. <laughs> that's my profile pic. Me yeah. just barely getting out of the bath. <laughs> well, that's appropriate. So let me ask you a question in that case. What would you want to build if you get to build a VR experience? Well, that's a good question. What do you think? Uh, I think Chuck probably has a great answer to this. Chuck? <laughs> Three, two, one, go. Three, two, one, go. I just keep thinking it would be really interesting to... So one of my hobbies is writing fiction. And so just kind of a visual world builder where you can then go and experience the world that you're building, pulling things together, you know, you can zoom out and zoom up to the clouds and kind of see the the shape of the land and, you know, zoom in, you know, move the mountains around, stuff like that. I think that'd be really interesting. So kind of like the, the maps that you see at the beginning of like uh, the Lord of the Rings books and stuff, just be able to kind of visualize that and then, you know, come down and maybe design a castle or palaces or something. Like. Anyway, I've, I've, I've got some crazy idea like that that I think would be really fun. So I think you just described Minecraft VR. Hashtag nailed it. <laughs> I think so, somebody did that. I'm pretty sure they did. I'm yeah. sure it exists. I wouldn't be at all shocked. Yeah, that's way to, way to go for a moonshot there, uh, Chuck. I'm totally kidding. But if I could build something, since we're here dreaming, um, so one of the things that I've been uh, pretty interested in lately is uh, jazz piano. And... Mm -hmm. So I think the idea of being able to put on a headset and actually look down, you know, and see for like a particular arrangement, like, you know, these are kind of where, you know, your hands go and this is, you know, the timing of different things. And I think maybe this might be more appropriate for like an augmented uh, reality, yeah, but cool. creating kind of a feedback loop where you could actually sit at a keyboard and kind of see, you know, the person's hands, you know, playing the keys and then you could just kind of match them up and you know, play it. And what would be neat is if you could actually, you know, play with time to where you, know, you could do it at like half time. Or even, you know, just even kind of tick by tick to say, okay, I put my hands here, click, and you would go like next, and it would show like the next hand position. And so, you know, the idea of being able to kind of insert yourself you know, in the perspective of an expert of any sorts, you know, volleyball, you know, piano, any of these things, and just kind of experience, you know, something and being able to inspect it and create a feedback loop. But I think definitely like for a piano, being able to actually look and see the hands and kind of what they're doing and be able to kind of pattern after that would be, you know, incredibly fascinating to me. Yeah, one other thing, one other, just to, you know, add on to that is then imagine once you feel like you've mastered it to go ahead and say, okay, instead of having the, the fingering overlay, it, you know, it places you in the room with the rest of the band. And so you get the accompaniment for what you're playing. The next version of Rock Band, man. Play <laughs> with the Beatles. There you go. Stones. Sitting right in there, looking around. There, there, there's everybody else, and you're playing along with them. I like it. In your living room. Yep. So, actually, since we're talking about this, and um, I'm thinking about this, is because I've been speaking as a technical speaker for a long time, 
um, you know, generally I get on stage and it's kind of like the nerves just go away and it's just like, I'm so excited to share something and I really don't get nervous. So for instance, NG comp, you know, those things, it's more, you know, it turns into more just like just pure energy and not really being nervous. On the other hand, put a microphone in my hand and ask me to sing a song in front of 20 people and my body just falls apart. Like I just get super nervous. It's not like pleasant. And I think being able to create a situation where like you're in this environment and you're singing in front of people, but you know, they're not real. They're just projected. You know, I think that'd be a way for people to get over like stage fright is being able to practice in these, you know, scenarios where they would be realistic. They'd be very terrifying, but being able to simulate that and train yourself to, to kind of get over that. You could also exactly. set it up so that instead of pretending they're all in their underwear, you could actually have them all in their underwear. Well, yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> depends on what kind of talk you're giving or what kind of song you're singing. Yeah. yeah. So if it's an Usher concert or something, then, you know, that just might be part of the course. I have two news for you. Um, that application, I think, has been built uh, by the neuroscientists uh, for speakers. And they are um, doing lots of, you know, um, um, like lots of things for stage fright, also for uh, PTSD. Um, so you will have exposure therapy, basically. And uh, the other news is, uh, I don't know if you're coming to Angular Connect, but me, uh, Ghost Goldstein and um, Alex, the neuroscience Alex, Alex, we are creating this workshop. Uh, for Angular Connect, where uh, we are going to connect to a VR experience through a um, USB guitar and create a, a guitar VR experience, very much like Guitar Hero. So I hope to see you guys there. You are a mad scientist. The fact that you can even do this with like <laughs> JavaScript and like web technologies is just crazy. Well, uh, let's cross fingers that uh, it won't crash and burn but uh i think uh for a you know simple demo uh we will be able to do but what actually yuri wanted to do was to have this whole experience with you know everybody being able to go into the same environment but it's um really heavy one thing uh one big difference with between the regular vr experiences with you know uh different hardware versus the web vr is um scalability so um browsers are Look, fragile. I'm just going to process that for a minute. Moment of silence. Okay, well, I'm going to Angular Connect then. <laughs> Carrot's on the hook. I got to go now. to add the uh, piano experience too? I know, we are working with the guitar right now. Well, I'll bring a MIDI controller and we can do, we can do the keyboard too. Nice. Great. So one other thing that I, I'm just trying to envision is how is VR development different from web development? I mean, we have elements on the page and, it, you know, we create our components and it sounds like that's similar. But I mean, to the extent that I, you know, click a link or, you know, navigate a page a certain way or, you know, I, I can, you know, assimilate knowledge by reading what's on the page. It seems like VR just is a different animal. And so how does that affect the way that you actually write your code? The writing the code, it's uh, other than the interaction, it's not all that different than any kind of uh, WebGL experience. Um, and the tool that we were working at for um, at Autodesk was the tool itself was created for creating uh, just kind of like websites with 3D capabilities. 
So um, it was just one person's vision to add the VR too. Um, it's just about the rendering of the camera to imitate the 3D mm. uh, immersive experience. Uh, but of course, the interaction is very different and then uh, usability is very different. Um, right now, clicking to a link and then going to another experience is kind of like clumsy, but um, they're working on making it uh, more smooth uh, on the browser side. So it will be a little bit more you know, exciting. But also there are so many other, um, you know, uh, considerations that you must have. For example, it's much easier to give someone a headache with a VR experience than uh, creating a website. Um, And, you know, that is a different thing. Plus, um, I don't know, with the 3D experiences, uh, VR or not, I feel like there is, a adjustment curve for people to get used to but i feel like you know people um navigate vr experiences so much better than 3d experiences on the web with a mouse because it's so much harder to figure out like where to go how to go to a place but i put on the uh you know um, vr headset on my mom she's 60 something and not very you know into technology and Right away, she was able to just, you know, navigate around and find uh, interesting things to look at. And it was really fun to watch. And the crowd goes wild. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. since we're derailing, let's let's do some picks. Yeah. Please, please stop talking. <laughs> <laughs> Should we do some picks? Let's do it. Two picks. This episode is sponsored by Angular Dev Summit coming September 11th through the 18th, 2017. Hi, it's Chuck from devchat.tv. I've reached out to some of my friends in the Angular community to put on a completely free, no travel conference for Ruby developers. We have speakers like Rob Wormald, Jeff Welpley, and others coming to speak about all kinds of topics in Angular. So if you're trying to learn Angular or you're trying to level up Angular, come check it out. The talks are happening throughout the day each day and we'll have a chat available during each session. Attending the talks is free, but you need to register. Go to angulardevsummit.com. All right, Lucas, what are your picks? Uh, so I have two picks this week. Uh, the first pick is the app uh, Fantastical. Um, so I have a couple different emails, and um, you know, people, uh, you know, I get a bunch of different invites across them uh, for different reasons. And as I get busier and busier, if it doesn't exist on the calendar, it just doesn't exist. I'm probably going to forget it. And so I just started using Fantastical the other day, and it just pulls everything together in this really nice interface. And so I'll just very quickly and say, like, I got to do this. Did you say it was fantastic? Oh, it is fantastical. And uh, I see what is you did. Is icicle fantastic? Yeah. That's what it sounds like. It sounds like a mix of fantastic and icicle, which sounds it, like something I want. <laughs> I mean, that's a product I could get. I could totally so, believe in. I believe so in that kind of product. I just trademarked that. So. That Harvey Dent. Yep. All right, so that's my first pick. The second pick is I've been doing a ketogenic diet for the last two weeks, and so I kind of cycle in and out. Um, but this is um, since January. This is the first time I've, I've committed to going into you know like full ketosis. And when you cut sugar out of your diet, the effects that it has on your body is just phenomenal. And so you just think clearer. You, your emotional kind of compass is not prone to, you know, so much signal on the line. 
and I find that I sleep less, I feel better. And so I would just suggest that, um, you know, if you're interested in kind of health-related things, you know, kind of check out, um, you know, what the ketogenic diet is all about. Basically, the premise is, is that you just cut out sugar um, you know, very aggressively in your diet because it really is you know, truly you know, poison. And um, you know, so when I cycle in and out, I'm not trying to get religious, but you know, when, you, when you do that, um, you know, everything just gets clearer, the fog lifts. And so I think you know, for people who you know, are interested in those things, um, it's super viable and um, very effective. I'm just going to plus one that because uh, I did the ketogenic diet in June. And in one month, I lost 12 pounds, and most of my diabetes markers got well under control. Yep. Um, so it's it's crazy um, how awesome it is. And then I, I went out of it for various reasons, and I'm getting back into it now. I'll tell you, going into ketosis, no fun. Um, but once you're there, it's awesome. Yeah, totally worth it. Yeah. Uh, in fact, I'll throw some pics out about that. Um, first of all, if you're a fan of .NET Rocks, which is another podcast about .NET. Um, Carl Franklin does a podcast about keto. It's called Two Keto Dudes. And it's funny because initially I saw it and I was like, Carl and Richard, but it's not um, Richard Campbell. It's another Richard that he does the show with. So uh, if you're looking to get into it, that's a good place. Another book that explains a lot of it is Keto Clarity uh, by Jimmy Moore. And so you can check that out. Jimmy also has a podcast called Living La Vida Low Carb. Um, I find that the episodes are kind of hit or miss, so I tend to listen to the first five or ten minutes, and then I'll decide if I'm interested in what it's about. But uh, anyway, those are some good resources for that. And uh, I'm finding more websites that have recipes and stuff. So last night I made um, keto pad thai, and it was it was okay. It wasn't great. But uh, anyway, just finding new ways of, of making it work um, has been really interesting. To that end, if I can jump in here real quick. Um, so I haven't had hardly any, I mean, I, I basically consume maybe 20 grams of carbs a day um, for the last two weeks. And um, my wife, Rachel, was like, oh, you know, you can like, there's a way to make like keto cheesecake. And I'm like, whatever. And so she actually made it yesterday. And it tastes, in my opinion, better than like regular cheesecake, which tends to be overly sweet. And so pretty much like three bites in, I'm practically like ready to weep in the kitchen because like it's completely sugar free <laughs> and it just tastes amazing. And so like you have to get a little creative about some stuff. Um, I've become a huge fan of actually pork rinds or chicarones, um, but they're a great delivery mechanism for salsa and guacamole. And even, you know, if you're going to do tacos, you can use that. But you can find things that actually taste really, really good without sugar at all. So, yeah, she's being like the big my big favorite one at the moment recipe please <laughs> i will i will Dude, find it for you i just can't get over the name of that podcast living la vida low carb <laughs> <laughs> yep <laughs> oh my gosh that reminds me of that seinfeld episode where he was complaining because all of the places that have like specialty backstores are all all have cheesy names and the guy says no not this one it's called the lumbar yard <laughs> oh geez <laughs> <laughs> All right, Joe, do you have some picks for us? Oh, do I ever? <laughs> uh, well, I guess I better think about that. Um, Rogue One. Just saw Rogue One yesterday. Again, I think that was like watch number 15. Man, such a great show. Such a great show. I'm gonna, I definitely want to pick 
Rogue One. I've been really enjoying that. I got an anti pick for you. Never build a house. <laughs> Never do that. Pro tip. Experience. Pro tip. Don't build a house. It's terrible. So, um, yeah, I think that those are my picks. I'm just, I, Rogue One, I'm just constantly amazed by what a great movie that is. So, there you go. Those are my picks. All right. Aisha Gold, what are your picks? Um, so, I'm going to cheat just like the last time I was here. I'm going to give more than three. Uh, but I'm going to group them at least. Um, so for everyone who wants to explore and, you know, delve into WebVR a little bit, one thing that I recommend is the cardboard camera application. Uh, if you have Android, I'm not sure if it's available anywhere else. So you can take 360 uh, pictures with that. You don't need any extra. And then uh, you can create uh, VR experiences where you could, you know, let anyone uh, look through the places that you've been to. Uh, which is really cool. There are a bunch of uh, web VR talks with uh, using it with Angular um, that I will be doing. And also towards the end of the year, we will be recording a web VR course for um, front-end masters. And uh, Voices of VR is a great podcast to, you know, uh, find out about all the research that goes into it and what you can build and all the cool people working on the VR. And um, I really recommend that. The last one, well, last two, <laughs> the other podcast that I really enjoy is uh, You Are Not So Smart podcast. Um, it has really interesting uh, research and discussions. I really enjoy it. It talks a lot about our biases and how we think in um, not very straight ways. Uh, lastly, I think it's a great gift, uh, the Merge VR the Merge Cube. Uh, you can find it in Walmart, apparently. <laughs> it's really cool. I think it's a great uh, tool for uh, kids to explore things like, I don't know, skeletons or any kind of um, stuff. So those are my picks. Awesome. Well, if people want to follow you, check out what you're working on on GitHub or things like that, where do they go? Oh, yes. Um, so my Twitter handler is I something, A-Y-S something, because it's very hard to spell my name. And uh, my GitHub is Y-O-N-E-T. And uh, I'm actually uh, working on a um, Angular components, few Angular components for creating WebVR. And uh, if you want, just ping me and uh, nudge me more often so I'll work faster. All right. Well, we'll go ahead and wrap this show up. Thanks for coming. Thank you. All right, we'll catch everyone next week. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com to learn more.